We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg. A savage Ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 seconds. a whole burst to it. 20. Right steps to tackle. Runs left. 25 still in his feet. 46-yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo with my co-host, my partner in crime, former Los Angeles Rams defensive back Michael Stewart. And we are here after the Rams gloriously won their NFC wildcard game 34-11 to over the Arizona Cardinals. Mike... How are you feeling today? Hey, man, I'm feeling really good, especially after first day back on campus, uh, after the three-day holiday weekend, MLK birthday and all that good stuff. So, man, excited. Uh, the Rams got it in the W column for the Ram Nation, Ramily, Ram Family, Ram everything. <laughs> so uh, excited about that. Uh, glad to be here with you, DC. How about what's going on in your world, sir? Well, we just got through that winter storm that plowed through here, left over a foot of snow on the ground. So we had no school today. So we had a, we had a nice long weekend. Nice long weekend, dude, thanks to no school today. That was great. Loved it. Loved every minute of it. Beautiful. <laughs> so now I made you jealous. So now I made you jealous. Yes, you did. So, um. I, I we usually here since since the guys at the post game last night we're doing our our own now um, they probably ran through the stats they they did their thing we're gonna 
A day later, we're going to kind of stay away from all the stats, kind of hit some pinpoint things we want to talk about. I don't know how long we'll go tonight because, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say when you just dominate. The real, I mean, we can keep going on it. There's a few things we can go with, but, I mean, man, what a domination. Just to give you an idea of how bad of a domination this was, or good on our part. The Rams outgained the Arizona Cardinals 375 to 183. Now, mind you, this Arizona offense is pretty freaking good. Even with DeAndre Hopkins out. Let's see here. They held the Cardinals to three point yards per play. The Rams won uh, with 140 yards rushing. They ran the ball 38 times. I know you love that, Mike. I know you loved, loved it. it. Loved you were it. you were home. You were home drooling, weren't you? You had like this drool pool you know, going on. Huh? Like, let's go. Okay. Yeah. I mean. Wow. And then net passing, you know, the Rams only threw the ball 18 times, Matt Stafford 17 times. A couple of things I want to talk about related to that, but 12.4 yards per pass. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty solid. And uh, no interceptions. Here's something that's interesting because I, I thought that it was a very interesting game call-wise. Seven penalties for the Cardinals, six for the Rams. I counted at least three missed calls. I missed. I saw two block in the backs missed, and something else missed that which should have helped the Rams. I'm sure there were a couple for the Cardinals as well. So it wasn't exactly a great night for a fish. Not not Jerome Boger bad, but it was pretty bad. And 35 minutes time of possession. 35 minutes, sir. Time of possession. Bam. Love it. Love it. Love it. I do want to ask you, though, how you meet, because we, we weren't able to to get caught up for a preview before the game. I know when I did my preview the Cardinals, guys, I actually said the, if the Rams run the ball a bunch this game and control the clock, they're going to win. I didn't think it would be a blowout, but I thought the key to the Rams winning was running the football. I didn't know they would do it or not, but they did. So... When you're watching this thing, well, leading up to the game, what were you thinking? Well, my thing was, are you learning from those things that aren't going well? And are you going into a game? uh, And it'll be the same this week as they go to Tampa. Are you going into the game not with, ooh, this worked well, let's keep doing it, as opposed to, ooh, this worked well, we'll be prepared to do it, but we'll also have a wrinkle if that's not working, we have to be able to quickly adapt. So once I saw those guys, uh, you know, running and then a score and then defense comes out, stops them, then you score again in a playoff game. Then it became, OK, well, let's see what this kind of young buck and young people are going to do. Are they going to, you know, battle back? Or are they going to tank it? And obviously we saw, as you noted earlier, you know, it was clearly somewhat of a one-sided game after about that late in the second quarter. I did, and I want to point this out as well. At the end of the game, I don't know if you were listening, but did you listen to the ABC announcers talking? And that was all about the Cardinals imploding. The Rams didn't really prove much of anything. I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. It was the Cardinals who imploded. And I'm sitting there thinking, you dolt. This is a Cardinals team that beat the Cowboys just two weeks ago at home. The Cowboys team that was that gave the friends all kinds of problems. I mean, are you are you seriously going to tell me that 
the Cardinals just implode. Like the Rams had nothing to do with it. The Rams didn't come out through the game plan to cause the implosion. Like why? Why our team? I mean, I've I've noticed with the media a lot this year when it comes to the Rams because I don't know if it's because the Rams just aren't orthodox. Like they they don't draft like everybody else drafts. They don't pursue free like everybody else. They they do everything different. So the moment something goes wrong. It is the sky is falling. The world's or they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to go this. And and, I, and I've been accused of being the Debbie Downer. I never even go that far. But yet, when the Rams turn around and they do this, Mike, it's not about what the Rams did to the Cardinals. It's all about what the Cardinals didn't do. How about the Rams freaking tore them up yesterday? How about the Rams took them off their game from the get go and put the Cardinals in the position to implode? Well, the truth is, that's what happens when you look at any one of these games in the playoffs. I looked at the Eagles, and I go, you got to be kidding me. This is all you guys have? But are you going to say, oh, they just, oh, you know, Jalen Hurts? No, the other team is out there giving it to the team, and that's why they can't make plays. They was three and out, three and out, three and out. So when you look at the Rams in Arizona, I guess the expectation was, oh, you know, Arizona, you know, they kind of have a high, you know, octane. Oh, you know, Cliff Kinger, the new new best thing. Oh, they're going to do. Oh, if this team could run on them, oh, Kyler Murray, he could run on them too. And and so the thing is, I love to see a team like the Cardinals or a quarterback like a Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, you're not a drop back quarterback. What got you to the league and what made you somewhat a phenom these past two years is your ability to get out the pocket and run for 30, 40, 50 yards before somebody can even think about catching you. But I'm looking at him. Oh, he's just going to try to stay in the pocket. Did he just flip that ball out of the end zone? I go, uh, yeah, man. Somebody's in your brain pan, baby. I call that a reverse Stafford, by the way. <laughs> about time we had one of those, right? But you know, even even then, like – we could talk, well, it's about Kyler Murray. Um, he's not leaving the pocket. I mean, I don't know. You could say, well, the Rams didn't do much. It was all about the Carl's imploding. And I guess you could say that when you look when you look at the game plan and you see they didn't roll him out much at all. They didn't really have any they didn't have any zone reads for him. They basically kept him in the pocket, which is the worst thing to do against Aaron Donald, right? You want to get him away from Aaron Donald. But it's not just that. They weren't effective establishing the run early. And when, but the Rams didn't allow them to pass the 50-yard line to almost halftime, right? This was a Absolutely. great defensive performance. It's a great defensive uh, performance, and there's all kinds of things you have to look beyond what you think you should see. The first thing we noticed is whoever these young bucks were in the Rams secondary, I shouldn't say whatever, they all have names, uh, they were flying around. We were like, man, that, that, you know, my boy was like, man, who's that? Man, 26, he's coming downhill. So that's the first thing we noted. Them guys were flying around for whatever reason. The other thing is Von Miller now has been here, you know, what, seven half the years year now. now? Yeah, half the year. Half now. the year. So, but he was kind of banged up and hurt, but you almost can see him getting into what I always say is game shape. What is game shape? You're able to go out there, do your signature move, chase down people, do your thing. 
So now you got a Von Miller. The first thing they said, uh, the running back, oh, man, that guy runs a 4-3, and Von Miller just chased him down. Yeah, Von Miller, when he's healthy, that's what he does. So when you look at it, going back to your point, Derek, is, yeah, man, it's it's not so much what the Cardinals didn't do. It's what they couldn't do. Yes. And again, what people don't understand, when you get in these here playoffs, you got some seasoned veterans, Jalen Ramsey, Donald. Von Miller, they know what playoff ball is like. That thing steps up in that lot, uh, notch. And so that being the case, you looked at one team like, hey, guys, yeah, you might have thought that's how we were going to play from last week. Well, guess what? No, it's time to get busy. It's one and done. We know that. So let's see what you got. And the Rams just went out and dominated from beginning to end. Point blank. Oh, this reminds me a little bit of the Rams-Falcons playoff game. The first year McVay got, you know, took them to the playoffs. And just nothing went right for the Rams in that game, right? But the Falcons still dictated the game. I look at this the same way. This is Arizona's first go to the playoffs under Kingsbury. So they're the inexperienced team. Yet the Rams still executed to keep them from having any real hope. In that Rams-Falcons game, there was no real hope after that second quarter. You didn't feel like, okay, they're going to come back from this. You knew it was just done. They were deflated. They were demoralized. It was done. They weren't coming back. You just knew. It was the same for the Cardinals. You just kind of knew. They, they weren't coming back. And that is the execution. That pass out in the corner of the end zone to OBJ. Just the execution of it. Perfect. And they did that. Throughout the game, defensively, I mean, it was probably, in my view, their best performance of the year in terms of just dominance. Like we've, we've mentioned numerous times this year this defense is not a shutdown defense. Well, yesterday they were. They were a shutdown defense. So we could say, well, the Cardinals have injuries and this, this, and this. Every team has injuries this time of year. Every team does. The Rams had to go pull Eric Weddle off the two-year retirement dust heap. Don't tell me the Rams don't have injuries. Right. Everybody's right. got them. Okay, man. Nothing against Eric Weddle. Good player. Two years out the league, though. Okay, there's nobody that just got done in the playoffs or somebody off the practice. You know what I mean? So whatever it is, uh, testament to, to Eric Weddle, because, you know, they say he played about 19 snaps, and I'm going like, man, you know, either he was out there getting it out or he maybe had a premonition that they was going to call him during the playoffs <laughs> and he'd been working out. But That's what he said he did. Derek, you go out there and bring Eric Weddle out of retirement to help out your defense. And again, you know, 19 snaps, you know, that's almost a normal game for a guy who's not a real starter just going in a sub nickel or a sub dime packet. So uh, hats off to that dude, man. I don't know how sore he is today, but uh, whatever the case may be, uh, getting back to your main point, yeah, when a team doesn't have an answer, this is how it goes in the playoffs, and you can see all the games across the board, they've all kind of followed this similar pattern. When they don't have it, they don't have it. I mean, the, the, the Eagles didn't have it. I mean, man, the Patriots didn't have it. Holy you gosh. Think about, think Did about you enjoy that, that one? Now, they said Bill Belichick, oh, Bill, hey, man, we're going to practice outside in the weather. Okay, Bill, you might want to practice inside the bubble so that you can actually have some decent practices and then go see what you got. But no, we're going to do old school. And then it's just got, got whoop, no answer, just blown out in, in the first quarter. 
That game was over in the first quarter. Can you imagine? I mean, man, I watched it so I can do more than imagine. I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and you know, we're talking about teams to be afraid of. Someone asked the other day, you know, when it comes to teams that you're afraid of, you know, the teams in the NFC that, that concern me the most are, I mean, no disrespect to the Super Bowl champs, the Bucks, the 49ers, the Packers concern me more than they, and you know who else concerns me on the AFC side? The Bills. The Bills. I think the Chiefs are flawed enough, the Rams can beat them. The Bills just are so good right now. They're so defensively tough. There's, that is a team that can win it all. The Bills. So, you know, with the Rams going to Tampa, I'm like, okay, I mean, I don't know if the Rams are going to win or not, but I like their chances better than them going to Green Bay. Well, Isaac Bruce, I heard him on uh, somebody's podcast or something I was listening to. Uh, was it his podcast? It wasn't his. He was on someone else's real quick. They brought him on. Uh, I want to say it had to be one of the NFL shows or something. Anyway, I was mm-hmm. listening to him real quick. He made an observation. He said, look, they go, well, you know, uh, Isaac, what do you think about this and the games? And this, how do he goes, look, the Rams, if you look at it, they're asking him how he felt about, you know, Matthew Stafford. and Was he digressing? And he's like, no, not really. I still got a lot of confidence in him, a lot of confidence in our offense. He's like, it takes time to jail, yada, yada, yada. He's like, the thing is, the only team the Rams really are going to have any problems with would be the 49ers. As far as all the other teams in the race or they would have to play, they match up really well. And I kind of go, yeah, okay, Isaac. They kind of had some problems with Arizona these times, even though they may have won or lost. But he was right. You know, when you look at this game, you go, Wow. And so the great thing that they have going to Tampa, they've played them, but they're going to be in a a situation where weather's not going to be a problem unless there's some type of monsoon rain that comes through there or something. But you're going to have good weather, a good feel. Yes, they'll be playing in a hostile environment. But as far as matching up, they match up pretty well against the Bucks. So they do. I mean, they do, and I think the Bucks and the Rams are going to be. It's going to be a fun game. I just I, I look at Green Bay, and I Green Bay's built pretty well to match up with them as well. It, unless unless that Green Bay offensive line falls apart, right? And you know, the cool thing about playoff time is every team is like, well, what? Which one of our teams is showing up? You know what I mean? Are we going to be, as you're saying, like Buffalo right now looks like a juggernaut. That doesn't mean they play this week and play like they did last week. You know what I mean? So that's what's cool about the playoffs. It's truly a new season. You're one and done, but you have to really be playing your best ball across the board to really advance to the next rounds. And then you have to do it round after round some for three rounds to get to the big game, some at least two to get to the big game. So we're going to see next week who's able to bounce back and still be, you know, is a team Ram 1A coming or is hmm. it going to be Ram 1C? I don't know. I mean, I don't know either, but I think, you know, given look at, look at the Rams, they won, let's see, five of their last six regular season games. They dominated one half of the, of the loss. Uh, 
And then it, they dominate this playoff game as well. So they basically had six quarters of their last eight quarters have been dominant. But the two that weren't were not just dominant, but dominated. It was a complete and total crap show. So it's kind of hard to, to figure out where, who, how, how this team's going to do and who they're going to match up with. We know the Niners are a bad matchup for them. But can they beat them? Oh, yeah. They, they let most of the game the other day. Can they, can they keep it together? It's a question. I just think that the Rams overall, in my view, have turned a corner a bit. Look at how the offense played this game. It wasn't Matt Stafford trying to make every play and do everything. It was a reliance on the running game. It was something we've been yelling for all year. We've been yelling for this all year. And for the, I think for the first time in, in Matt Stafford's career, he doesn't have to rely on Matt Stafford to get the win. People forget that. Why is he always pressed to make these plays? Why is he pressed to this? Because he's always had to. You can't take that out. I mean, it's like, it's like football Stockholm Syndrome. The team you've been with for years has, has abused you, okay? Not in the same way. Don't take it. Don't be offended. Um, but they've put you mentally in a position where you feel like you have to go out there and win every game by yourself. And now Stafford doesn't have to do that. That takes time to get out of the mentality. I, I just look back at the Tennessee game, for example, and I remember being there watching it firsthand, just watching the boathead plays. And in every one of those plays, he was pressing. He was forcing himself to make a play and just say, okay, you know what, I'm going to throw this away. I'll let the play narrow down. When you look at all of his mistakes this year, almost all of them have been him pressing, him trying to make a play. And I think, Mike, I think it's because he's had to do that his entire career. And now hopefully he's realizing that I don't have to do that. We've got players. We have a good supporting cast. We can win with my arm, not because of my arm. Hey, that's so good. And as you noted, we saw that play out uh, quarter after quarter yesterday. And he looked relaxed. And I like towards the end of the game, you know, he's kind of, it looked like McVeigh was talking to him. Then when he walked away, he patted McVeigh on the behind. And I go, oh, you know, that was kind of, you know, happy-go-lucky conversation. And so... Uh, to your point, hopefully Matt can now rest assured that, hey, yeah, I don't have to try to force it and do this. No, I just need to make my reads and hit that guy. I mean, we saw Sonny Michelle. He makes some long runs. We saw Cam Akers go in and make some plays. We saw him get the ball to OBJ. And you can tell that the longer he's here, the more it's opening up the offense that you can go, man, I wonder what it'll look like next year with Robert Woods back if they're all back the same, right? Uh, but each week, offensively, things are clicking a little bit more. Uh, defensively, things are clicking a little bit more. But I'm, you know me, Derek, I always go to what the players, they're going to tell you what's really going on. So two things. One, Von Miller shared uh, some interesting information comparing Denver and the Rams. And one of the things he simply said is what I like about here, not knocking, you know, being in Denver. He said, but when we lost there, everything was like, all right, man, we got to double down. We got to get better. We got to do this. He says we're here is like, hey, guys, we got to just keep doing our job. And it's like more even keel. 
So you can see that even during games, you don't see guys, you know, trying to turn over tables and just, you know, going off in the media. Uh, and so that was a great point. Another op- uh, observation was Jalen Ramsey. You know, we've had some discussions ourselves about Raheem Morris. Like, man, it looks like the defense. Like, what's going on? But if you look at the reality, you're playing with a real patchwork defense to a degree. But he said something like, uh, Ra or Raheem, the best coach I've ever had. I've had some great co- coaches. He's taught me so much this one year alone that's helped improve my game. If no other team wants to give him a head coaching position he deserves, I will personally gladly have him back as our DC. So and he goes on to say, you know, we've been through so much adversity and haven't played well for him at times this year, but he just continues to be the best leader. That's coming from an all pro who's played in two different organizations. Von Miller's played in two different organizations. So when you got players that have been other places and then now are here and then with a new coach to say, man, this is one of the best I've ever had. That speaks for it. And just looking at him during the game, you know, seems to be real even keel. And and again, as we talked about, we don't have the advantage of what the real game plan is. We know what we think we see. And it's like, come on, Raheem, do this, do that. But obviously, I love to hear when guys in the locker room step up and say, this is what my coach does. This is what our coaches do. That gives you a real inside look on what's really going on. I mean, two things can also be true. One, the one thing can be true is, as an individual working one-on-one with these guys, he can make them better, which is what Jalen's saying. The other thing can be true also at the same time is that in-game adjustments could be a, a problem for him, which I would also agree has been a problem. So it's, it's not an either-or, and it's been an up-and-down year. It's been a patchwork defense, and that's why I've been at times hesitant to say, hey, look, he's... he's Messing it up on the same token, you can't go back to that 49er game and ignore it. You can't go back to certain spots this year and ignore it. So when it comes to Raheem Morris, you know, there's a reason why his name keeps coming for head coaching jobs, even though we've been like, eh, this year here. It is probably is. Good point. It probably is that personnel side. The question is if he takes over a head coaching job somewhere. What will he do to adjust for maybe some of those shortcomings? Right. right. If I'm him, if I'm him, and maybe I'm a little selfish, maybe I'm not because I'm not sure I want him back. We, we were just talking this last week. We're saying fire him. Uh, I'm not sure I can say fire a guy after this performance. But if I'm him, I'm, I'm not ready to jump in the head coaching circle just yet. He keeps bouncing around. He goes to the Bucks, to the Falcons, to the this and there. Let's just, just stay in an organization that's winning for a while, dude. Well, just stay know, a couple years. Across, yeah, you look at all these different coaches from from uh, college and NFL. You know, it's just like they're talking about Dan Quinn. Okay, Dan Quinn, you kind of came back. You brought a defense back. Like, what would be wrong with? staying there one more year because again we saw this happen with a good coach that, that was with me with the rams when he was a receiver coach north turner mm-hmm. outstanding offensive coordinator mind and outstanding you know personnel guy to that point but there's something about you know sometimes when you're at the head it's a little it's just different you know you can excel 
OC or DC, and you can maybe do okay as a head coach. Now we all know it's salary cap. You know, do you got management behind you? Do you got the right players? Can you run your scheme? Yeah, we all know that. But at the same time, you point out a, something that maybe Raheem, you know, stay here, get real solid. And at the same time, you know, it's like working on your resume, right? Hey, man, I know I want to get that principal job at school, but you know what? Let me make sure I do well at this dean job for a year or two. And and at the same time, prepare myself so if I do get that opportunity, I can really excel, especially if you get a second opportunity. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also, and again, I mean, I'm, I'm this is conflicting because a week ago I'm saying fire the guy, right? <laughs> but, you know, when you have comments like that that come from a guy like Jalen Ramsey, you, you need to listen. And when you see performance like they put on yesterday, you need to listen. I'm going to say this outright. I think if the Rams defense implodes yesterday after that 400 game, I don't think Raheem Morris is back next year, anyways. No, but, doubt. but, the way they came out yesterday, the way these players talk about him, they weren't just playing for themselves. They were playing for him. And that says a lot about the man. And so I look at that and think, okay, listen, what would this Rams defense be like next year if he had a full offseason with the team when they brought in there, when he got brought more of his guys and brought in more of his personality to go with him? Because he didn't really get that. Sure. The offseason was already underway when they hired Morris. Right, right. So why not? You know, and if I'm him, I look at David Culley with Houston, right. and I got a lot of things to say about this. You know, because immediately, immediately, the first thing that was played was the race car, the idea that he was a black head coach and he was fired. I, I don't know if that's the case. What I will say this is the man did a heck of a job. Squeaking what four or five wins out of a roster that should only have maybe a win. That guy deserved a chance to stay longer, and they canned him anyways. They're going to say, "Well, he was just kind of the hold place head coach." Then you never should have hired a guy like that. You hired him for a three year deal. He that guy, David Coley, achieved, in my view, a minor miracle. Getting five, what was it? Five wins. Mike, was it five wins in uh, Houston? I, I think it was four. Even four wins. Four, oh, my five. gosh. That roster they had? Get four wins there. Four wins. Well, even with the roster, I mean, we all, you know, I always say it's the NFL. So as bad as a roster, we may say, oh, they don't got this. You know, you still got guys who can play at a certain level. My ador- adoration, admiration for him is the fact that you had the, the Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. stuff swirling around. What does that look like? You're looking at a guy who probably should be starting that game, and you go, yeah, man, if I wanted to, yeah, you can't go play. You got that going on all year. What is that doing for team morale? A guy coming in the building, some guys want to play, some guys like, man, why don't you guys ship this guy out so we can just focus on us? You know, that's the thing I don't understand. And then when they go, well... Basically, we needed some changes on the offense. Well, yeah, I guess you did since you didn't win all them games. But the reality is they said, or one a couple articles I said that he didn't. He was like, hey, man, these guys took a chance to come with me. Why am I going to now fire them 
to keep my job for another year. So I, I, I tip my hat to a guy who does that. Don Shula did that at the end, and people thought, well, what happened to Don Shula? What? He was like, yeah, man, Wayne, whoever, yeah, man, I've been with these guys all these years. No, it, if I got to make changes, and I'm out. And that's what he did. So I tip my hat off to coaches like that. But, yeah, you're right. He he did a heck of a job given the circumstances and it's just uh, a lot of these coaches do a yeah. good job, man. I, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how Mike Zimmerman gets let go when it's like, okay, man, you guys brought in Kirk Cousins. We we know what Kirk could do. He could be hot and cold, but he's like not really the franchise guy. Uh, well, yeah, but you know what? He got thirty-seven touchdown passes, eight interceptions this year. That's a heck of a year. What was Minnesota's yeah. main problem? Minnesota's main problem? They gave up 426 points. That was their problem. <laughs> right. That was it. I mean, yeah. and that team was in a lot of closed games. Mike Zimmer. Right. I, I don't know that he deserved to be fired. I think it's more on the lines of he's been there for eight years and didn't get the team over the top. But I'm looking at like a David Culley. Brian Flores. What the freaking heck? What on earth happened in, in Miami for Brian, Brian yeah. Flores to be a... So, how, it, how, it looks bad, too. Two minority coaches. Gone. Well, I, I just look at... Even if you take out whatever minority, I'm looking at the job. You win eight out of nine, usually they go, hey, man, you came here when this place was a dumpster fire after three years. You got us basically to 500. You've been above 500 the last two years. You went eight out of nine. You know what? We're re-upping with you for another three years. David Cully, they would have been like, hey, man, we're going to give you some type of bonus. Hey, man, what do you need this offseason? Because if you can get four wins out of all this that's going on, wow, what can we get if we trade this guy yeah. and get four or five draft picks? And, you know, I don't know. Well, so, we talked with Robert Land. We talked with Robert Land early in the offseason for a tour in the league. And he said, this is a one-win team in Houston. This is a one-win team. And what does Houston do? Well, one, they knock Indianapolis out of the playoffs. That was a pretty big deal, wouldn't you say? Huge. I mean, and so this year they beat the the Chargers. Not Indianapolis, so sorry. They beat the Chargers. They beat Tennessee this year. And two wins over Jacksonville. So, okay, they didn't beat, I thought... For some reason, I thought it'd be Tennessee. They almost, they almost beat Tennessee. And you look at this, these games here, and you could tell that they played for him. Look, go back to the, the Rams game where the Rams beat him, were up like 30 nothing, and they came back and put 22 in the board. They played for him. That was just a bad football team who had minimal talent, and they still gave teams problems. Being the Chargers, and putting the Chargers in position where they had to fight for the last week of the year, in my view, was huge. I just, they deserve more than they got. Brian Flores deserved more than he got. And if I'm Raheem Morris, so I want to jump back in that. Do I really want to go back into that? I don't know. I mean, you have a job in LA that I think puts you in a winning atmosphere, an organization that's clearly trying to win. They know what their focus is. They know, you know what to expect from them. That of all things, I mean, staff-wise, I know we as fans, we create some stability there. We, we, we crave it. So why not at this point? 
Yeah, I mean, one of the the keys, and I'm I'm staying on this Houston Texan David Coley thing. I'm I'm looking at all their wins and losses, but it's not like they really got blowed out any game. Tampa barely beats them twenty three sixteen. You know, Cleveland beats them by ten thirty one twenty one. They did get blown out by Buffalo forty to nothing. They lose to New England three points twenty five twenty two. They lose to. Uh, the Rams, as you said, they came back and put some more points up. They come back the next week against Miami and lose 17-9. to So it goes on like that to even their last game against Tennessee. They beat Tennessee, you know, about six, seven weeks earlier. Tennessee has to beat them down the stretch, 28-25. So when you're talking about that's indicative of players going out, one, doing their job, and playing for a guy that they believe in. And it's just kind of interesting to say, well, you know, we need to make changes. And if since you're not going to do that, we're going to let you go. So I, I, I look at a lot of these jobs, whether they're uh, college and pros or wherever, and you kind of go, I guess if you own a team, you, you can do what you want. But it's like I look at Seattle, and though Seattle's defense wasn't as stout as they've been, you know, I see my buddy Ken Norton get let go kind of for some humping. It's like, come on, Pete. Now, you had an issue in the offseason with our quarterback. Dude was, you know, I mean, come on, man. We we don't get him. Good defense isn't just you going out stopping teams and the other team doesn't know. Good defense, a lot of time, is your offense is out there controlling the ball. So those things go hand in hand. I just hate to see when certain coaches – and again, it happened with the Rams, you know, when they let our D staff go and brought in Coach Fisher that year, you know, it was like then John Robinson was gone the next year. Yeah, man, you just can't try to sell out one side of the ball to save your own. It just never seems to work out. So it'll be interesting to see how these uh, positions get filled in these next co- coming weeks. I mean, the Vikings have already asked to interview Raheem Morris. Right. Right, and you know that's probably that's probably the best job out there that's open. And even then, I'm man. That's if they want him and he wants to go there, more power to him. But I, I think of like Norv Turner and Dave Wanstat, right? <laughs> and I think of both of them, and I think you know, hold on a minute, both these of these guys, great coordinators. Great coordinators. Okay to horrible head coaches. Look at all and, and then you look at and then you look at all the pressure around them. All the pressure around the job. At this point, right. you have to have a special makeup to be a head coach in this league. And and I as much as I as I question Raheem in terms of his his X and nose, his adjustments in game, uh I've heard enough about him from players to know the guy's a great man. I, I don't want to see him get mishandled somewhere, get put in a bad position. Well, what you're pointing out, DC, is a very good point. I don't know if you know our listeners are picking it up, but what you're saying is a head job, you're going to get your head chopped off if certain things don't happen. A DC or OC position, you you kind of have to just be super terrible for you to be out on the street. You know what I mean? It's like Kellen Moore. His name coming up. Kellen Moore is not ready to be a head coach. No, he's not. 
if he try to take a job somewhere, he's going to be one and done. Maybe if, you know, he got lucky, he might get two. But again, should he stay in Dallas? Yeah, you might want to stay where, like, the owner loves you or seems like he loves you. He made mm-hmm. them keep you. So you might want to stay there and ride it out and then take over the job there. You know what I mean? That's yeah. what I would do. So to your point, yeah, it, it's just when you, you want to go get a head job. Now, if they guarantee you a certain amount of money that you just can't turn down, set up your family for generations. Yeah, man, maybe you go take it. And however it happens, it happens. But I think we've seen enough that if you get a second attempt, it doesn't work. Well, you're going to be done. Well, that was the upcome. That was the upside for David Colley. He, he gets fired and Texas owes him $21 million. $21 million for one year. I mean, that's the positive oh, to wow. it, but he was in his 60s. That, I mean, that was probably his one shot to, to be a head coach in this league and, and kind of sucks, man. Uh, I look at all these open jobs. DC, you, you say he's still going to get $21 million? He got $21. So here's, here's, here's my, my view on it. He didn't deserve what he got. No. He's in his 60s. This will probably be his only shot. So if I'm a professional who wants to see what I can do, I'm in my 60s. The 21 mil is really nice, but does it really fulfill my, you know, my bucket list of being a successful NFL head coach? Right. I mean, the 21 million dollars is nice. I can retire on that. Yeah, you definitely can. But you definitely can do that. But. I mean, what's yeah. really? Does he have a sour taste in his mouth, right? Or does I he would feel, you know, after you know having a chance, and then given the the fact that, hey, man, I actually did pretty well with the cars that were dealt me. Yeah, yeah, I, you know. But again, yeah. twenty one mil is twenty one mil. Right. That 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 gives you a little, I guess, I would say, peace of mind. Peace of mind, definitely. <laughs> well, you we also look at uh, let's see, here's the other. You you mentioned Dan Quinn. I think he would be completely, especially after what happened in Atlanta. Dude, don't. You did a good job as a quarterback. Just don't do it. Don't go back. I, I look at other guys who came back had second chances. Pat Shermer was an awful coordinator, awful head coach. Can't go back to be head coach. Why, dude? Why? Just why? Why? And yet guys like Eric Bieniemy don't get hired. That bothers me. Brian yeah, Flores yeah. is out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, the, the advantage that Brian Flores has over Eric Benemy, Brian Flores showed at that level he could coach. And so, again, Eric just hasn't had the chance, and we kind of we think he could do it. We feel like he can do it. That's one of my guys. I think he can do it, and I think he's ready. But there again. He's in a great situation in KC. I mean, actually, how many more years is Andy Reid really going to cope? I don't know. He's just getting up there. You know what I mean? So it's like, is he going to go more than two or three? I don't think so. I mean, so what maybe else? I mean, yeah. So maybe you just hang in and, and take over when that guy leaves, unless they truly do something shady and give it to someone else. That would be shady. But, man, you're kind of in a good situation, and if you're getting paid right as a person in that position, less overall pressure, 
and all the other things that, that come with the head job. And yeah, I mean, if your ultimate goal is to be an NFL head coach, yeah, I guess you're trying to, you know, interview and do all these things. But, you know, sometimes outside looking in or as they say, the grass is not always greener unless it's real greens. Again, if you can get 21 mil for two years or Hey, man, that's a lot of dough bread. So you may look at a situation and say, hey, man, they offered more money than, you know, or some people say, hey, man, I've actually made a good amount of money. I'm not in this thing for the money anymore. I'm in it for whatever your reasons are. But, uh, yeah, it'll be real interesting to see what these next uh, weeks hold as far as jobs and things like that. All right. Before we get going here, we want to leave time for our sponsors. Have a listen. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, a couple more things on Stafford. I really want to call this out. I love our fans. I think our fans are, our hardcore fans are great. They're smart. They're intelligent. They know the game. They know the history of the team. They know a whole lot about the Rams and where they're going. And then on occasion, we have a couple of knuckleheads. And they're the ones who latch on to the Jared Goff, Matt Stafford thing. They hold on to that forever. They keep talking trash, even, even to Hellbent. They're the ones, in my view, who, who, will sell their tickets <laughs> to 49er games, um, home games. I'm kidding about that last part a little bit. But something I heard, something I saw on Facebook today, and I got to call it on, and I realize only maybe 3 or 4% of people hear it, but I want to I call it on anyways. Hearing people complain about Matt Stafford, well, he didn't have a great game. He didn't throw for a lot of yards. You know, Jared Goff did this, this, and this. Why are we even still having these conversations? Why? Matt Stafford was 13 to 17 yesterday for 202 or 204 yards, two touchdowns. 
And a 154.5 QBR, the perfect QBR is 158.3. He was darn near perfect statistically yesterday. And because he didn't throw for more yards, that matters. I mean, three, I mean, three of the four incompletions were drops. Cooper Cup dropped one yesterday. Higby dropped one. I mean, geez, what do you what do you expect, Mike? I, I'm I'm over this, man. I am tired of this. Give the you know the guy deserves to criticize me when he plays up to that criticism, but the guy had a great game yesterday. Didn't need to have 350 yards. Sometimes all you need is 200 because the Rams were dominant yesterday. They were dominant flat out. Well, it's interesting because what you're talking about is what some of us would call buyer's remorse or, oh, man, you know, if I had that wife or hey, if I had that girlfriend, I would have been to the top. No, man, look at what you actually had. You know, I'm doing a, a, a ministry thing on why we don't circle back on what yesterday was. Oh, if I could just go back in time. I would be able to know if you circle back most of the time, it's going to be a dead end for you because usually you're trying to do something that might've worked back then. It's not going to work now. So my thing is when you look at what the facts are, look at this in Monday night's wild card game, the Arizona Cardinals made the bold decision to blitz Matthew Stafford heavily. He was blitz on a season high. 50% of his dropbacks, but it proved ineffective. He ended up completing 13 of 17 pass for 202 and two touchdowns. So when you look at that, the numbers would say, yeah, man, if you're blitzing this guy, what do you think he got done to him when he was in Detroit? So the thing is, you may be more effective in not blitzing him because he's used to getting blitzed. So he showed yesterday that if you blitz him, He's going to find the open guy, which he did. And that's the Stafford we saw in the earlier games. And we were all raving. And he mm-hmm. went through a slump, if you will. But we call that teams get film on you and they change it up. And maybe in those games, if we go look at it, did those teams maybe not blitz him? And so you look at the other games, but he showed over the season. Uh, again, these are by next-gen stats that he finished the year at a plus 89 pass EPA or expected points added against the Blitz, which is the highest ever in next-gen stats era. That's what the numbers say, DC. So regardless of what you're saying out there in Twitter world, uh, Facebook world, whatever world we're, we're living in, the numbers speak for themselves. And what we say, the eye in the sky, camera. Film, it does not lie. Does not lie. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Does not lie. But here's a problem. If you're, you're some people are going to be so stuck on this interception, interception, interception. I'm going to go back and say this again. You're talking about a dude. You're talking about a dude who played in an organization where he was relied upon to win. The team doesn't win without him. So every game out, he has that on his shoulders. If you watch these plays, 
where he did make his botches this year, he's pressing almost every time. Well, why? Why? When you learn enough about a guy you know, he's trying to win. He still has that feeling it's on his shoulders. It's not. But it takes time to break out the mold, man. That Detroit Lions franchise had a culture of losing, and they've had one for how many years now? Mike, how how many years? Is, when was the last uh, time Detroit was any since good? Since the Superdome was built? <laughs> they had a couple of small pockets in there. Yeah. You know, a couple of small pockets. Yeah, back in ninety one, ninety two, yeah, they've had a couple of decent teams here and there, but they're they, they're never consistently. It's a losing culture, and when you're a franchise quarterback, you automatically have that pressure on you. I know this automatic. I know this in twenty beginning in late twenty eighteen, going into twenty nineteen, twenty twenty. When I saw the pressure on Jared Goff, more often than not, he didn't deliver. This year, when I saw the pressure on Matt Stafford, he delivered far more than he than he did. He made some mistakes, yeah, but he. I mean, this team is thirteen and five, including a playoff win. They're in the playoffs. They're going to Tampa Bay. And not to overlook how great or how great should he feel to kind of get that monkey off his back, first playoff win. So I gotta imagine. For his just inner self confidence and going home and looking his wife in the eye and going, babe, we did it. You know what I mean? And now you can go hopefully play even freer next week, seeing like, yeah, man, let me let these guys go to work, dump it over here, dump it out here. Oh, you guys going to jump Cooper Cup? Odell, go get this for me. And you can see Odell, you know, four targets, four catches. And I just look at the way a guy catches the ball, which my man Van Jefferson's going to have to work on. He likes to, I call it, cradle the ball, catch it with his body. Odell Beckham catches everything with his hands. Mm-hmm. And that's sure how he's does. able to just go up and take balls and catch balls. And his hands are so strong. Yeah, man, once I got it, I got it. So then I can just get my feet in. I don't have to clutch it with my body and try to fall down and get in. He can just literally catch it with his hands. So, as you said, you got Higby, you know, banged up here and there throughout the season. But I I just feel with this win yesterday, that's going to give them some extra boost to say, hey, guys, all we need to do defensively, go out here. Von them are coming now. Defense, secondary. Hey, we just don't give up any big plays and we're going to be fine offensively. Hey, we'll take what they give us. You know, they give us eight on the run. We'll take it. They give us a little Flare out in the, the, the flat, we'll take it. If we have to go to a little trickeration and, hey, Odell, throw a deep bomb on him, we'll take that too. So I just think right now you're now looking at a team that's look like, hey, they're hitting their stride with now the Super Bowl in sight. I, and I think they are. I mean, they, they have never been really, in my view, a dominant team this year. But there have been times throughout this year where we've we've questioned their toughness, and they deserve it. I mean, those four ers losses, they deserve to have their, their toughness questioned. It's also important to note that in the NFL, there is no such thing as of people who aren't tough. It's just who's tougher. I believe this team has grown mentally throughout this whole process, from the whole thing with COVID, the team nearly having to forfeit, 
to their backs being against the wall because of it. And have I mean, their playoffs basically began a month and a half ago. Really. When their backs were against the wall at 7-4, and four, their playoffs began then. I don't know that they're going to make the Super Bowl. I don't even know if they get past Tampa Bay. But you cannot question the character growth we've seen. Even when they botched the 49 game last week, what they do, they come back out this week and they destroy a very good football team. Dismantle them, demolish them. I mean, destroy. Now, that said, there are some things to fix. The running game could be better. There's a lot more they can do. But overall, this is a different Rams team than we saw two months ago. And they're a better football team than they were two months ago, even with the injuries. So they can hang their head on that, but don't hang it yet. Then you go to Tampa Bay and win. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, all right. Well, any closing thoughts? Closing thoughts are just simply, man, uh, congratulations to the Rams and, you know, all of them that, that, that stuck with them and played together. And, uh, you know, we're we going to see what we're behind you as you travel back east and uh, go do your thing next week. There we go. We'll be back later to see the preview of the, of the Tampa Bay game. Thursday night's the plan. We'll get it out. In the meantime, have a great one. Right here. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you leave great reviews. You'd appreciate them. In the meantime, take it easy. Go Rams. We're out. Go Rams. We're out.